Hey, you guys, Rachel here, Maria too. And we are so excited to tell you about a new resource for the FTD community. Learn FTD is a website stocked full of FTD resources, information on genetics and genetic testing, and useful ways to talk to your loved one's physician about symptoms. Learn FTD also provides information about FTD as a whole. It even expands to the impact on families and finances. We think it's also a great place to direct extended family and friends to help them learn more about the disease. Their website is just so easy to understand. Definitely take a look at www.learnftd.com for more information. That's www.learnftd.com. My name is Maria and I'm Rachel and we're the hosts of Remember Me. Our podcast is dedicated to preserving the memories of those diagnosed with dementia. We hope this episode helps you feel more connected, provides a deeper understanding and allows you to learn to accept the good. Always, always accept the good. This is Remember Me. So today we have the pleasure of speaking with our new friend, Nicole, a big star in our community. You are. She is, she has a million TikTok followers. She is a sports illustrated model doing amazing work using her platform to talk about her mom's diagnosis of FTD. So today we're going to talk all about your mom, Cheryl, and welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So we ask everybody the same question. What was the first thing that happened that made you think something is not quite right with my mom? Well, when we first started to see signs, I was still in high school and I always think back. And one of the first things that I remember was her not being able to help me with my homework anymore. And it was things that maybe just a couple months earlier, she was helping me with no problem. And Then it was, she was getting just as frustrated with the math problems as I was. So that was probably one of the first things that I noticed. And then she was known as an amazing cook. She would make us home-cooked meals every night. And the meals that we had eaten our entire lives were much different. There was salt instead of sugar or vice versa. Then there was one day that sticks out where... She would pick me up from my friend's house and there was construction on the road in between my friend's house and mine. And they were blocking off one of the lanes and my mom drove down the wrong way. And it was pretty clearly marked. So that was pretty scary. And I think shortly after that, she had run through a red light. So those were like big things that were obviously noticeable, but there were smaller things too. How old was she at this time? Um, She was in her late forties when we first started seeing symptoms. We didn't get an official diagnosis until she was 51. Okay. So you were noticing all of these kind of different behaviors, you know, the math issue and the sugar instead of salt. Did you ever ask her like, 
what's going on? Like, why can't you help me with my homework anymore? Yeah, I think both myself and my sisters and my dad, we all started to question her on little things and she would just kind of brush them off like, oh, it was a mistake or, oh, it's fine. I'm fine. And then more and more things started happening and we realized it wasn't fine. What drove you to the point that someone said, we got to take her to the doctor? Was it her? Was it someone in your family or? No, it's definitely us as a family together. She was reluctant to go and see the doctor, which I think is pretty common. I think she didn't want to believe that there was anything wrong. So it took a little bit of convincing for her to just, you know, go get some initial tests, go talk to someone. Just took a little while to get her there. But once we actually did start doing some tests, I think she, once she got the confirmation from the doctors that there was probably something wrong, she accepted it more. And I've told this story on my TikTok at one point, but there was one day where she was not as loose at all of the time at this point. And she came into the bathroom when I was getting ready for school, I believe, and just said, you know, I'm really sorry about all this. And I might start crying. <laughs> but um, she just said, I want to make sure that I'm doing anything that I can to be here for you and your sisters. And um, she said, you know, if I need to go up to UW-Madison and do some tests there, or if I need to go see a, a few more doctors, like I'll do it. And after she said that, she had other moments where she was still a little bit reluctant, but the fact that she said that, and I knew deep down she wanted to see what was really wrong and, and try and get better if she could, but that, that was nice to hear. And what was the road like to getting a diagnosis for her? Did you guys have any idea what you think you might be dealing with? Did you think it was something neurological and was the process pretty quick? It was not quick at all. <laughs> Like I said, she started seeing symptoms in her late 40s. My dad said probably around 2012 is when we definitely knew there was something wrong. And when we first went to go take her in, we had never heard of FTD before, didn't have any idea of what could be wrong. And the doctors ran tests for Lyme's disease. They thought maybe it could be mold in our house, depression. And then eventually they said, okay, it's probably early onset Alzheimer's. And the only reason that we got an FTD diagnosis was because my uncle on my dad's side was going through a similar process, a similar experience, I guess. And his wife took him to a different doctor who diagnosed him with FTD. And then my dad was talking to his sister and was like, we're seeing a lot of similar things. And so he went to the doctors and said, I think it might be FTD. And they were like, oh yeah, you're right. So no blood relation, no blood relation. What? That's yeah, like two unlucky rare. cards. Yeah. yeah. So did your, your mom ended up seeing that doctor? No, she's continued to see the doctor that we've always seen our family doctor. Okay. And you know, our doctor was not educated on FTD and was giving her Alzheimer's drugs, not <sighs> FTD drugs. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And so we had her on those medications for about two years and they made everything so bad, mm -hmm. so much worse. And eventually my dad just took her off of everything and she seemed to improve. And that's how we've had her since. And now within the past few months, she's declined a little bit more and we're reconsidering going to see the doctor that my uncle saw and getting her back on medication. But 
for majority of the time, we have not had her on any medication at all because we had such terrible experience with the medications that she tried in the beginning. The doctor was still treating it almost like it was Alzheimer's or just yeah. had the lack of knowledge to know that some drugs used for Alzheimer's can accelerate FT. Make it worse. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry, Nicole. Yeah. So do you know the variant? Yes, behavioral variant. Okay. What types of behaviors are you seeing now? Well, now she is pretty much completely nonverbal. A lot of just noises. She has stopped gaining weight. She's been losing quite a bit of weight. And my dad just told me yesterday that he is looking into hospice because all of these things would make her eligible for hospice now. So mm -hmm. I know it step. sounds like scary, but it's literally one of the best things out there. Yeah. I agree. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm very glad, especially because I'm not as home as often now. I really want more support from my dad. It's definitely more than a one person job. So, yeah, that's a great idea for your mom. We got like music therapy and all kinds of great things for yeah. support, but yeah. And um, we have a nurse that comes in now when my dad, my dad still coaches volleyball. That's like his one thing that he'll leave the house for. And, uh, when he's at practice or at a tournament, we have a nurse come in to take care of my mom and when I'm not there, but yeah, I'm glad that my dad will be getting more support because I think it's really, really hard for anybody to be doing on their own. And it makes me feel really guilty that I'm not there all the time, but I know at the same time, my mom would want me to continue to live my life and pursue my career. And I can't do that from home. Unfortunately, I really wish I could, but I just try and go back and be there as much as possible and try and support my dad as much as possible in, in her care. We've seen her on TikTok and Instagram and all the social media platforms. And she always seems very upbeat and happy. And I think she kind of, I can't, I can't explain it. Like she's not a quote unquote typical FTD. You know, you can see some of the behaviors like the pacing and all of that. Mm -hmm. What would you describe as like the most challenging part? Well, TikTok is like any other social media. It's a little bit of a highlight reel. So you definitely see more of the positive moments on there. And that's just because I want to try and promote positivity and show people that there still can be joy after a diagnosis like this. But, you know, she has gone through many different phases where it wasn't happy. Usually it was mainly frustrated, angry, upset, confused. And those obviously were not the best of times. I think now, even still, one of the things that we struggle with the most is just having her let us help her. There are many moments where she obviously needs to lay down and rest, but she just will not. <laughs> and she obviously needs water or to take a shower or to go use the bathroom. And she just won't. And you just have to be patient. It's, it's really taught me to be more patient. And that's probably my biggest flaw in my personality is I am very, very impatient. And this experience has definitely helped me with that. So I agree with all of it. I have a couple of questions just about being in high school, having this happen. Mm -hmm. What has like kept you going when you've been through such a traumatic period of time, like so young in your life, you know, and the start of your career? Her. <laughs> My mom always really supported me in whatever I wanted to do. Ballet when I was really young, 
acting and doing community plays all through middle school and beginning of high school. And then I started playing volleyball and doing cheerleading. And she would drive me all over the state and take me to all my plays and do my hair and makeup and practice my songs in the car with me and critique my voice and give me little tips. And (laughs) she's always been my biggest cheerleader. And I really want to be successful and have a life that she would be proud of. (laughs) Yes. And I imagine too that, you know, similar to how like this podcast is an outlet for us, your art form is your modeling and that's a creative outlet for you too, to express yourself and channel, I don't know, some positivity and almost have a little distraction too at times. Yeah, definitely. When I first started modeling, it instantly was a huge passion for me just because it, it made me feel like I was kind of stepping out of this person that I usually am and becoming a new character on set for a little bit. So that definitely kind of helped me stay a bit distracted during all of it was starting that career and finding that new passion. And now I think TikTok's also a huge part of that. And for a long time, I didn't talk about our situation. I didn't talk about my mom being sick. And when I finally did feel comfortable opening up about that and sharing that and had so many people react to it so positively and see that it was helping so many people in our community that really opened up my eyes and made me realize that like, you know, this thing that I felt like I was kind of hiding for a long time was important and it was going to help me to further my career and further the life that I wanted to build and that life that my mom would be proud of. And it's something that I, I am extremely proud of myself for continuing to do and for opening up that conversation because although it wasn't my intention in the beginning, I think it's something that really helped a lot of people. And I want to continue to do that. If that means that I'm doing it through my modeling career, building my career bigger, making my name more recognizable so that I can then speak to all those people who know me and tell them, you know, this is something we need to pay attention to. What would you say you're most nervous about? End of life. (laughs) definitely yeah Yeah. that was so normal and it's like thinking about it like from the beginning you know and your mom's had the disease for a long time like 10 10 years right yeah 10 years plus that's yeah I mean the episode that I just listened to of your podcast was the woman she was talking about her sister she had gotten it right at the beginning of COVID and had passed already and I just could not imagine having all of this happen so quickly. And, you know, like when my mom was first diagnosed, we had no idea if it was going to be a year, two years, 20 years. So I think that's something that a lot of people, unless they've gone through it, they don't realize, but we're grieving every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm terrified every day Mm -hmm. that I'm going to get a call. You know, I vividly remember that feeling. Like every time the phone rings, you're like, I don't want to look every time. Yep. I feel uh, like that was the whole beginning of our relationship, Rachel. It was like both of us being like, is today the day? Like, yes. Yeah. And yeah. You, like you said, you're grieving every day because your mom is changing every day. Maybe it yeah. doesn't seem like every day, but in the sense she is, and you're grieving the loss of her being able to drive you to shoots and being mm-hmm. a part of things. And it's a, it's a grief that people do not understand unless mm-hmm. they have experienced it themselves. Mm-hmm. It is just such a complex thing, but I think that 
giving a window into your life with your mom is helping people grasp it a little bit more. And I'm just curious to know, like you said, you've gotten a positive response on TikTok. Do you feel like there've been a lot of people that have reached out to you that are like, I have a similar situation or parent or loved one with dementia, or are they people kind of fascinated with your mom? Like what kind of has been, you know, what you've learned from the audience of a million people who are watching? It's all of that. I have so many messages. It's overwhelming. And I try to get to as many of them as I can, but it's a lot of people just saying, Hey, I'm really scared. My parent, my grandparent, my sister is acting strangely. I think it might be similar to what you've talked about, or I know my loved one has dementia and I, I don't know how to handle it on my own. I need help. And they're all extremely sad and hard to read. And I try my best to give them all as much help as I can. But that's also why I continue to post videos too, because if I can't respond to every single person, then I'll just try and make a video about it. But I also have gotten a big response of people who, like me and my family, have never heard of FTD before and are just curious about what it can look like. That's a really important point. And I think something that's very powerful about what you're doing is that people are afraid of people with dementia. Sorry, it's just the truth. I think people are afraid of anybody who's very different than what Mm -hmm. they normally see every day. And for you to be showing your mom every day, people are seeing that image again and again, like maybe when they see someone in a similar situation out in the world, they're not as afraid or more Mm -hmm. compassionate or do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's really like helping to show that image instead of just talking about it. You're like, here she is day to day, like kind of, she scoots around Mm -hmm. the kitchen (laughs) And I think that's just a really important piece that I really applaud you for. Now, do you get any like backlash for that? Because we have talked to people who have. Yeah, a little bit. Most of the time it's people saying, you know, if this were me, I wouldn't want it recorded. I wouldn't want it posted. I wouldn't want it to be so public, which I get. But then tell your family that. I don't know. (laughs) It's it's not you. It's my mom. So thank you for your input. I remember once I took a picture of my dad he was in the thick of it, but sort of more towards the end when he was drooling. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was like, I want to, you know, keep his dignity, but this is FTD. Like, this is what it is. He's Mm -hmm. drooling. He's biting on things that he's not supposed to. And Mm -hmm. I'm still loving on him, you know? So I think there's a truth that it makes people really uncomfortable that somebody looks like that, you know, but it is kind of the reality, but it is. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And think about how many people now know your mom, know her heart, her spirit, Mm -hmm. her love for her kids, because you started doing this. I think about that sometimes with the podcast is like, even though my mom is gone, her legacy lives on through every time we talk about her and people have connected with her. People like think they know our parents. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm listening to this, like Frankie. And we're like, oh my God, okay. (laughs) Like, it's so cool though, to think about all these people that are connecting with you and your mom. 
through the bravery of deciding to show, you know, what it's really like. I get the comment all of the time. She's not your mom. She's our mom. (laughs) I love that. I love that. My other question about this is what was the response talking in that really broad audience of Sports Illustrated? You know, did you hear from people saying, I've never heard of this? Like what, what did you hear through kind of sharing your story? So I went through the whole swim search process and that's basically just how they choose new models each year to be in the magazine. And you submit a video, talk about your life, talk about why you want to be in Sports Illustrated. And a lot of the times it's girls talking about either something amazing they've done or something dramatic they've been through or in a cause that they're very passionate about. And obviously for me, (laughs) I wanted to talk about FTD and help promote some more awareness around it. And yeah, they, they chose me and I was in the magazine. I got to go to the Dominican Republic to do my photo shoot and shot with the whole team, like people that I've looked up to my entire life. So it was pretty surreal. Wow. And what did you hear from people? When I first got there, I had my fitting immediately as soon as I got off the plane and uh, we did our fitting with the stylist for Sports Illustrated and MJ Day, who's the editor in chief. And I talked to MJ throughout my fitting just about my mom, about our lives. And by the end of the fitting, we were both crying. (laughs) MJ is a mother herself and I believe takes care of her father with some health issues that he's been through. So she related in some ways. And the moment she started crying, I remember was when I told her that a lot of the times my mom will call me mom because I'm just someone that she knows is familiar to her and that she loves and I'm taking care of her. So mom, and that made MJ cry quite a bit, made me cry quite a bit too. I just think it's fascinating what you're doing and it's great for the community. Yeah. The Um, team definitely had questions about it. They were like, MJ asked me uh, about her weight. I think specifically she said like, you can see in some of the videos that she's getting pretty thin. Like, is that because of the dementia? I'm like, well, I'm not a scientist or a doctor or anything, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure that yes, it is. And that like, eventually it just gets to a point like their brain is not sending the right signals to make them gain weight, get hungry, all of that. So she was very surprised by that also. It's just, it's one of those diseases that literally, if you don't know about it, you don't know anything about it. (laughs) Right. And I'm sure it's shocking to people too, that she's so young because you're so Mm -hmm. young, you know, to be going through all of this. I mean, kind of going back to what you were asking about earlier, like, like being in high school and that, that process of being so young and having this all happen, it was definitely hard because I was trying to figure out who I was at the same time, trying to figure out what I wanted to study, what I, where I wanted to go to school, if I wanted to continue playing volleyball or not. And it was just a moment in your life when you're trying to figure out everything and then everything just kind of collapses underneath you because of this traumatic thing that's happening with your family. It's amazing what you've been able to accomplish while going through all of that. Because it's really, really, really hard. Like I, some days I feel like getting out of bed is like, that's a win. I don't know if you are familiar with the creator mom of my mom on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Um, She made a video a while back just pointing out how hard it is to be a caregiver to a parent and especially a young parent when you are so young yourself, because the challenges that young people go through, like 
finding a job or a house or friends. Those things are all much more difficult. And caregiving itself is much more difficult because you don't have those resources. You don't have savings from your whole life. You don't have a house that you can put them in. You don't have a job that you can take time off of because you're probably just starting a job if that. And like for me with my modeling, like it has been a lot harder than a lot of other models because I can't travel as much. I can't just spend all my money on a photo shoot to build my portfolio or to go to New York. You know, I have other responsibilities that most people don't have. And it has definitely been a difficult journey, but it's one that has made me so much stronger, so much more resilient and has definitely made me appreciate a lot more about life. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey listeners, Maria here. I wanted to share an exciting resource we've been getting to know within the FTD community. Learn FTD is a website stocked full of useful FTD resources, information on genetics and genetic testing, useful ways to talk to your loved one's physician, and so much more. Presented in an extremely understandable way, Learn FTD provides thorough and extremely helpful information across many facets of the disease. But more than that, Learn FTD discusses how your participation in research and clinical trials can provide hope and a path forward, while sharing guidance and tips you can use today. For more information and to join their email list, visit learnftd.com. Okay, so we're going to jump into who Cheryl was before FTD in your eyes. Uh, you touched on it a bit, her cooking and just like rock star mom. But what else do you want us to know about your mom? Yeah, she was just a really kind person. I remember when we were young, like when I was really young, we would go to my parents' friends' houses for like little parties and just like to get togethers and whatever. But by the time I was in high school, it was mom was making breakfast and then she was taking us to school and then she was picking us up from school and then taking us to volleyball and whatever other after school curricular we had and she was just mom all the time and when I asked my dad about this yesterday I told him this was going to be one of your questions how would she want to be remembered he started crying (laughs) right away and my dad does not cry that much so just the thought of it is a bit emotional but she would want to be remembered as someone who was fun and adventurous and caring. And my dad also mentioned that she loved camping and going up to our cabin and doing motorsports with my dad. My dad owned a motorsports business for my entire life until he retired to take care of my mom. So they would go out on jet skis, boats, motorcycles, four-wheelers. They loved all of it. And the biggest thing, ironically enough, is that I think she would want to be known as a caregiver somebody who just loved being a mom. You have three yep. siblings, all yeah. girls mm-hmm. in the middle. Woo, mama. Woo. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so one thing that happened to me, I developed like this fascination with who my mom was before. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. know anything about your mom like before? And do you long to know? I definitely would love to know more. I wouldn't say that she was the kind of person that talked about herself too often before she was sick. She was very focused on her kids and taking care of the home and all of us. And so she didn't really talk much about college or high school or childhood, but 
she grew up in the same town that she lives in now, in the same house that she lives in now. She bought the house from her parents when my mom and dad got married. She grew up with her younger siblings, both younger, <laughs> brother and sister. And her brother passed away this past year, but her sister is still alive and lives five minutes from her. So they're pretty close. And her parents still live in Lake Geneva as well. They have a house in Florida, so they're here half the year in Florida and then Wisconsin half the year. And yeah, I think it's it, it would be nice to know a little bit more about her childhood. I definitely ask her friends when I get the opportunity and her family and all of that. But I definitely have a similar feeling of I would love to know more of who she was. And at the same time, of course, that makes you wonder about who they would have been if they hadn't gotten sick, how they would have been in your life and all of that. This season, we're talking all about love. How would you describe what her love feels like to you? Strong. <laughs> Just very motherly. She was a, a super, super mom, for sure. <laughs> she, like I said before, she cooked all of our meals, had breakfast ready for us when she woke us up in the morning and would bring it to us in bed and pick us up from school, drop us off at school. Even though we could have taken the bus, she drove us anyways, because I was scared of the kids on the bus. And <laughs> yeah, she was PTO just volunteering anywhere she could, was bringing snacks to the, the games. And she went above and beyond for her kids. And there's no doubt in my mind that she has continued to do that in her own way. How do you connect with her at this stage? This is something I, I found difficult to do at times. You know, she, she can no longer speak, right? So when do you feel like the most connected with her? Well, when we're together, I always try and do things that bring out her personality, like play music that she knows and that she loves. We're both big Elvis fans, so we listen to Elvis a lot. She was one of the people that inspired me to be interested in makeup and beauty. And I remember watching her put on her makeup every morning, doesn't matter if she was going to leave the house or not, she would put on a full face of makeup. And I would sit there and watch her and ask her if I could put it on. She'd tell me when I was older, I could. And so as soon as I became old enough in middle school, I started <laughs> copying her and putting on makeup. And so I always feel connected when I'm doing things like that. But I've stolen quite a bit of her closet <laughs> over the years. And like this gray one piece is hers. I wear her clothing all of the time. I have the same perfume that she wore and I spray it on myself all the time. I love They're that. I love, love the clothing. I love that. The Wait, clothing also is my the favorite. clothing comes back. Oh yeah. Oh, the fashion. Brilliant. Mom, my mom was on top of it. <laughs> I have a couple jewelry pieces as well. Just having little pieces from, from her life and trying to keep them around me all the time for sure. What do you think she would think about the work that you're doing now to raise awareness and your career and, and all the beautiful things that you're doing at such a young age with so much happening in your life. What do you think she would have to say about that? I just think she would be happy and proud. I hope, <laughs> like I said, she was a big supporter in my acting and for anything I really wanted to do. And so I think she would, she would love what I've been able to accomplish so far. And I think if she were able, she would have loved to be able to travel with me and come to photo shoots and 
she was able to come to one runway show when I first started modeling and she was beaming the entire time. So I was really glad that she was able to come to that. And although I wish she was able to come to more, I think that she's very, very proud. And a while back, I posted a couple of TikToks of her reacting to my photos, which was pretty funny. And yeah, I think especially with the advocacy on top of that, that that's something that she would be very proud of and very thankful for because I know that if the situation were reversed and if I were sick and unable to be my whole self, that she would do the same thing for me in a heartbeat without even thinking about it. So I will say, I don't know her, but I feel like I do. And (laughs) her features and her expressions are very contagious. Like when Mm -hmm. I'm watching her, I find myself like doing what she's (laughs) doing sometimes. I'm like, oh, she's dancing. Okay. That sounds great. Like she's just a very, I don't know. It's very captivating. I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. because it's so relatable to my dad, you know, Mm -hmm. like when you see somebody going through it, you're like, I've been there. Like, I know exactly. Mm -hmm. I remember that. I enjoy seeing her though. Like, it's not one of those ones where you're like, oh man, this is sad. Like she just, she's happy. She seems happy. happy. Like you Mm -hmm. guys are really taking incredible care of her. Extra care of her, yeah. I see you like, you know, holding her hands in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and stuff and you're keeping her, keeping her going, you know? And for such a young age and for all of this to be happening when you're so young and she's so young, it just- I think it's amazing everything Mm -hmm. that you guys are doing. Thank you. And honestly, I really think that I got all of that from her. (laughs) I learned all of that from her, that compassion, that empathy, the patience that I do have is from her. (laughs) Like I said, she was an amazing caregiver and that was a good example for me. I don't necessarily plan on being a parent at this point in my life because I feel like I already have been a little bit. (laughs) Um, And yeah, she taught me how to be in that position. And I'm really grateful that I've been able to take on some of those things. Sticking with this idea of love, I can infer that your parents are still married and your Mm -hmm. dad is Mm -hmm. your mom's caregiver. What is their love like? It's something that I definitely look up to. My dad has shown that through better and worse, sickness and health really does mean something in those vows. (laughs) Yeah, he stands by her side through it all. That being said, my mom... You can definitely see that she recognizes that even still she will gravitate towards him in a room. And anytime that my dad comes home from volleyball, when he's gone, she'll like instantly like, be like, hi, go over and give him a big hug. And she'll just like light up. You can see it in her face. She, she knows like, oh, this is my person. And um, my parents had plans for their lives like everyone else. They wanted to wait until we had all gone off to college and get the RV that my mom had been looking at her whole life, (laughs) go camping, travel the country. And my dad got her the RV, but (laughs) they were only able to go on a couple of trips. Um, Just kind of sits in the backyard now most of the time. (laughs) But uh, I think he's really glad that they were able to go on those few trips and he still makes the most out of every day with her. And it's it's clear to see they love each other a lot still. So if I can have even close to that relationship, I'll be very happy. So sweet. I love the RV. I love that he still got it. Yeah. You see on your Instagram and your TikTok that you have a special person in your life. Yeah. Nathan is amazing. Nathan's my significant other. 
And what is it like to have him in your life when like, you know, do you feel like he connects with your mom? Do you feel like she knows? I think, I think she likes him. (laughs) That's adorable. Yeah. So I was, I was nervous introducing Nathan to, I didn't know how he would handle it. I didn't know how my mom would handle like a completely new person and it went really well. And they're like really close. It's kind of funny because now when Nathan's over, my mom will like gravitate towards him. Like she does my, my dad almost thinking that he is my dad and give him big hugs. And I'll joke with her. I'll be like, mom, that's my boyfriend. Back off. (laughs) That's so sweet. That's so special. So Nicole, we always like to end on our loved one's words. So can you share with us what you're going to read today? Well, unfortunately, my family and I were not able to find anything that was written by my mom before she was sick, other than a few recipes. So I have a Swedish pancake recipe here. And at the top, it says that it was an heirloom recipe handed down from Grandma Stell. And the tradition is for Sunday breakfast. And all it takes is two cups of all-purpose flour, half a teaspoon of salt, one tablespoon of sugar, three eggs, four cups of milk, and vanilla. And that can easily be veganized also. (laughs) But (laughs) get that in there. You know, having this as part of your podcast really made me realize that we don't have a lot of written memories. Or I mentioned in my TikTok today that I get the comment a lot asking for videos of my mom before she was sick. And we don't have many of those either mainly because the technology wasn't as advanced 10 years ago, but <laughs> I just want to encourage everyone, whether your, your family members are sick or not, have them write something to you, have them send you a card, a letter, take their picture, take videos of them. Even if they're reluctant, you don't have to share it or post it or do anything with it. Just have the memories and keep them, treasure them. They're so important. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We release new episodes each week on Tuesdays, so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you want to connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Remember Me Podcast. You can visit our website, RememberMeFTD.com, for more information on FTD, resources, and ways to support our podcast like joining Remembers Only. This podcast is produced by Maria Kent Fears and Rachel Martinez, and the beautiful music you hear is a song called So Damn Lucky by Bailey Kent.